Hi, and welcome to NASIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Alex Whitaker in Washington, D.C. It's January, and that means it's time to release NASIO's 2024 federal advocacy priorities. Alex gets to be in the hot seat today as our Director of Government Affairs to tell us all about what our federal advocacy priorities will be focused on for the year ahead. I was also in the hot seat last week on a local radio program talking about artificial intelligence, and we're going to share a few minutes of that conversation with you today as well. Alex, let's get started. Let's do it. I'm so excited, Amy. Yeah. So it's been a couple years since we've had an episode devoted to our federal advocacy priorities. So tell us what it means to have advocacy priorities and why we have them. Yeah, so let me start with why we have advocacy priorities. Uh, NASIO, in addition to be re- the organization that really helps promote best practices and learning and everything among all of our membership and CIOs, uh, we are also the voice of CIOs and CISOs and CPOs uh, in Washington, D.C. And what that means is that we want to clearly communicate the priorities and concerns of our membership to our federal partners, be that Congress or federal agencies or what have you. Um, so it's very important that we get folks together to, to get an idea of where they want want NASIO to be focused. So we keep our priorities pretty streamlined, um, pretty much to the point. This year we have five, we're adding one, and we'll get into what those are pretty soon. But they are what really guide our interactions with our federal partners. Now, it's not everything that we do. Um, As I said, we've only got five, which is kind of small. So if other things come up, that means, you know, it doesn't mean that we won't be commenting. Um, It just, this is what helps us kind of stay targeted and really focus on our mission. And so that's why we have them every year. And that's why we keep them pretty streamlined. Okay, perfect. So yeah, something major comes up in March. We're not going to say, oh, well, too bad. You missed the cutoff for advocacy. So we're not going to advocate for this. Yeah, We can walk and chew gum at the same time. This just (laughs) helps us stay very focused. Yeah, that makes sense. So I know that four of our priorities are not new. Tell us about what those are and briefly explain each one. Sure. So um, the 2023 federal advocacy priorities are can, are going to be adopted as well. Uh, we're not getting rid of any of those. And those are, I'll, I'll just read those out, um, ensuring responsible implementation of the state and local cybersecurity program. The state and local cybersecurity program continues to be a big concern for our members. Uh, not necessarily negative concern, but something that's very important to them as we figure out how this money is getting down to the state. So we're going to keep working very closely with CISA and FEMA and folks on the Hill to communicate really where things stand with the state and local cybersecurity grant. A lot of good progress has been made over the last year, and we want to keep that going. Second is expanding and strengthening the state's cyber workforce. Uh, Workforce challenges are not going away, so we really just want to show the federal government what states are doing to address the shortages. States have really created some some really innovative practices to attract and retain cybersecurity workers, and want to make sure that the feds understand that this is not a problem just for the federal government, it's a problem for the states too. So, So that's not going anywhere. We're going to keep working on cyber workforce. And the last two are old favorites at NASIO. These have not changed in several years, and that's harmonizing disparate federal cybersecurity regulations. So eliminating redundancies where we can, kind of making things more efficient, and just communicating to uh, mostly to GAO, but also to Congress, of how important it is to, to not create duplicative um, regulations. And then continued adoption of .gov. .gov, again, also one of the, the, the perennial low-hanging fruits for communities to make themselves safer uh, and and prevent cybersecurity attacks. So um, we want to keep working again closely with CIS on that one because it's just so important for communities to adopt .gov where they can. So those four not going anywhere. We've made some great progress in 2023 and want to keep it up for 2024. 
Great. Okay. And then we also have a new priority this year. Tell us about that and why we're adding it. Sure. So this is very exciting. But the fifth priority is going to be called Artificial Intelligence States Leading the Way. I don't really have to tell anyone listening to this podcast, especially, uh, how important AI has been over the last year. I mean, it's not going anywhere. It's going to continue to be something that states grapple with. Um, Amy, you know it all too well with the uh, roadmap that you wrote, which was excellent and really also kind of informed this advocacy priority. But what we're doing is we kind of want to do really sort of three things with this priority this year. One, that's to show the federal government, our partners both in the agencies, the White House and on the Hill, that states have not been sort of just sort of sitting on their, resting on their laurels for AI. They have really made some innovative policies or developed best practices. Um, so, so states have really started to work on this issue and, and have not necessarily waited for federal action. The other thing that we want to do is, again, just stress to Congress and, and the federal government that they need to be aware of what states have done so far when it comes to AI. And so that when they are promulgating regulations or writing things into law, I don't know how likely it is that we're going to have a congressional action on AI this year, but it's certainly possible to be aware of how it's going to impact states, you know, and to not circumvent or or preempt um, existing regulations that states have put in. And, and as we've heard Doug Robinson say many, many times, if you've seen one state, you've seen one state. So just really remembering that AI policy, a blanket AI policy, um, is not necessarily the best thing, you know, that we, we want federal action on this. But we want them to understand that, that states have, have already kind of been, been doing a lot when it comes to AI. And then the final thing, this third thing that we want to do is ask uh, to provide tools and resources to states to implement AI strategies. It's a workforce challenge, and it can be in certain situations a monetary challenge to implement good AI policy. So I just want to know that, that, that states will need resources to sort of input any kind of federal action or, or something that's coming down from the federal government. So it's really exciting. We're, we're really glad to be in the AI conversation. Um, we didn't really have a choice. <laughs> as, as you know, CIOs and CISOs yeah. are, are dealing with this daily. Um, so this is an opportunity for us to just make sure that NASIO is at the table and communicating, you know, what's going on with the state level of AI. Yeah, that's great. It makes a lot of sense to me, of course. It seems to be the big thing we're going to be talking about this year, just like it was last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so our listeners might be wondering, you know, if you are talking to federal agencies or legislators, are you a lobbyist? So I'm not really a lobbyist. You know, my title is government affairs director. Um, and I think that at NASIO, w- what we do is, is uh, we, it encompasses everything. There is a little bit of lobbying. Um, we don't necessarily push a ton of bills. We have in the past, of course, we were really instrumental in getting the state and local cybersecurity grant passed. There is legislation that comes up that we're very focused on at times. But what I do kind of encompasses more than that. It's sort of communication. It's talking about best practices, talking about what the states are doing. And it goes the other way too. Um, It's telling our membership what's going on in Washington, what's coming out of the federal government, here's how you provide input and comments. Um, So I I only do a a very small percentage as lobbying. Um, I I think at at NASIO, government affairs encompasses so much more than that. Um, So I'd say probably no, but um, there's a little bit, but it's um, it's a really fun place to work in the lobby because states are doing so much on these issues and a lot of people in D.C. want to know about it. So never a dull moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. And even technically, I mean, you're not even a registered lobbyist, right? Because there's just such a big, like, educational component to your work. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. 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 And we don't have a pack or anything like that. So. No pack. Yeah. And, you know, I we don't even do those big in-person fly-ins anymore because yeah. we, we are doing a fly-in and we're doing one next week. Um, 
And so we're really excited about that, and we're going to bring our members to D.C. to talk about what's going on in the States. But we, we at NASIO keep our advocacy very targeted, very specific. So I'm um, mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, if we skipped the lightning round, we would probably lose listeners, and we certainly cannot <laughs> afford to do that. So I have three questions for you today. Are you ready? Great. I'm ready. Okay, so this is being released on your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. What are your plans? So we are keeping it very low-key this year. We have um, two toddlers um, who, you know, they're fantastic, but <laughs> arranging childcare and everything for them can be a hassle, especially in the middle of the week. So my wife and I are both taking the day off. We're going to have lunch together, just sort of have an easy, relaxing day. So nothing nothing major this year, but I'm, I'm very excited about it, though. All right. Well, my fingers are crossed for you that your daycare is open <laughs> with the snowy weather so you can enjoy uh, your day off. We hope so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, second question. You ran the Marine Corps Marathon last year. Any big races planned for this year? Yeah, I did. It was a great race. It was the fifth time that I've done it, so really fun. And planning to do it again this year. I had hoped to do um, one in March, but as I mentioned, I'm living that two-toddler life right now. So training has been tough. I scrapped that one. But I am hoping to do the October Marine Corps because it's such a fun race, and it's right here in D.C. Awesome. Perfect time of year to be outside, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so, um, you know, other than your day off of work for your birthday and possibly another marathon, what are you looking forward to in 2024? I, you know, I think just like spending more time with family. Um, that's always, you know, we we're, we're sort of, our, our lives are fairly stable right now, which is nice. So that's one component. And then also, not to be cheesy, but I'm, I'm looking forward to what we're going to do at NASIO. I think we've got some really good things in the pipeline for advocacy and just really looking forward to working to, to accomplish our goals. So those are kind of the, the joint things. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, sort of between those two, like I absolutely look forward to our in-person events too you know yeah. mid year and our yes. annual conference and our summits in the summer it's just um, the best part of yeah. the job for me yeah. to see everyone I, I agree yeah okay so as i mentioned at the the intro to the podcast last week i was on a morning radio show on wwky in winchester kentucky it's my husband's hometown um, nice. adjacent county to to lexington here to talk about artificial intelligence and this kind of shows you how mainstream this topic has gotten um, people want to talk about it but also that people they want to understand it better so here's a few minutes of our conversation on Mornings on Maine about AI. Artificial intelligence puts out something Mm -hmm. that is akin to human thought. Yeah. And with emotion or without emotion? Without emotion. No emotion whatsoever. It can pretend to have emotions. So, uh, and we can get into that in a bit, but. Yeah, you know, AI algorithm, algorithms and machines like this, they, they learn over time, they get smarter. Um, and then I think... How did they get smarter? The way that mm-hmm. you and I get smarter is that we make mistakes. Yeah. We put our hand on a hot stove and we say, oh, that's hot. We're not going to do that. Yeah. How does a machine do that? Yeah, well, kind of sometimes in the same way. So when you have humans involved, it can correct the mistakes and then the machine learns about that. Um, getting more and more information um, makes the machine smarter, makes the program smarter. Does the machine correct the, uh, recognize the mistake and do it itself or does a human being do it? You still want humans involved, especially if important decisions are being made. You know, if you're using it for healthcare or science and things like that, humans still need to be heavily involved and you need okay. to use the AI because it can 
do the research and the computing so much faster than we can. Um, but you still you need to know the limitations and the the benefits for okay. sure. Uh, it would be safe to say it is a tool. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It is not a substitute for human emotions. Right. Or human judgment, right. would you say? Absolutely. It can make recommendations, um, but humans still need to decide if that, Okay. you know, make, and it depends on how good the data is that's being input into, you know, the AI tool. You yeah. think I could get the AI to do mornings on man, maybe? Yeah. Sadly, you maybe could in the future. <laughs> so, okay. We can definitely write some scripts for you. Well, that makes, oh, you we know, don't have scripts here. We, <laughs> we, 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 just, we don't we have scripts. If we could do that, I could sleep a little longer. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, artificial intelligence uh, can be used for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a website that is called Chat GPT. Yes. All right. Tell us what Chat GPT does. Okay. So Chat GPT is a website that's in this subcategory of AI called generative AI. And this is a type of AI that's capable of generating text, which is what Chat GPT does. Images, which is you might have heard of Dolly or other programs like that, or even um, audio and other media. So these Gen AI models learn patterns and structure, and they learn based on what's out there on the Internet. So ChatGPT is what is called a large language model, and it's basically you know, taking the language that it sees on the Internet, that it's out there, and predicting text based on language that's out there. So... You might use you can use it for a lot of things, and it's it's a little bit fun, it's a little bit dangerous, um, and happy to kind of talk through some of the concerns and tips and good ways to use it. But just for instance, if you were having fun with it, you might say, um, you know, write me a love poem for my wife named Carol, uh, and include things about how we've been married for twenty five years and that she really loves pasta, you know, things like that, and then. You know, two seconds, it'll spit out a four stanza love poem for you, and you can tell it what kind of rhyming pattern you want, things like that. The more specific, the better it is. So that's just kind of a fun way to use it. But there's ways you can use it for work, too. Can you uh, do the exact same thing? For example, can you tell it to write a song Mm -hmm. for Chris Stapleton to perform Mm -hmm. that involves uh, moms, pickup trucks, uh, dirt roads, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That, that song's it, already been written. Yeah, I know it has, but, but and then it just spits out a song. Yeah. As a result of that, it it will give you the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. It will. And I was sort of playing around with this the other day. I was saying because uh, I thought this is something we could talk about. Like write write a song in the style of Willie Nelson about two men that host a morning radio show named Ed and Tim. <laughs> and it immediately gave me a bridge, a chorus, and three verses. Are and you serious? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's cheesy, but I mean... Well, was it a good song? If it's it, cheesy, it fits. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. All right, that's an example of lighthearted and uh, meaningful, but lighthearted. Yeah. You have a uh, college student that mm-hmm. has a paper due. Yes on uh napoleon mm-hmm. and you can say write me a 300 page a 300 word essay on napoleon mm-hmm. two seconds later it appears yes and it, it will write you something whether that's completely accurate or not is debatable so here's a couple examples I was preparing for a session at our conference, and I needed to come up with a bunch of trivia questions that dealt with pop culture in the year 2001. So I said, 
what significant pop cultural things happened in the year 2001? And it gave me like a list of 10. I was like, well, this is great, but maybe I should check to make sure these are true because I don't really know. And so I started checking some of them and about half of them didn't actually happen in 2001. Mm. Um, I have a cousin-in-law who has a PhD in computer science. Um, he's an expert in AI and he was playing around with ChatGPT and came across a citation to an academic paper and he thought, oh, how do I not know about this academic paper? This sounds like something I'd be really interested in. I actually know the authors that it says wrote the paper. And he clicked on it. Nothing was there. It, it was just made up because, yeah. you know, ChatGPT is not trying to trick people. It's just predicting yeah. language. And it would make sense that these academics would write a paper about this topic, even though they didn't. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take our first break. But. Amy, accuracy is not a big deal here. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, you're listening to hour number two of Mornings on Main State 25. All right. That wraps up our show for today. Our advocacy priorities will be officially released on Thursday, January 18th, and you'll be able to find them at nasio.org. And don't miss the 2024 tech forecast with NASIO's Doug Robinson and PTI's Alan Shark. Also on Thursday, January 18th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can find more information about that right on our homepage. So we'll be back in two weeks. But in the meantime, please consider leaving us a review. It helps people like you find our podcast.